This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. It's all about food. Wabi Sabi was the first vegan concept to open in Saudi Arabia and now it has arrived in Dubai. So what is on the menu? We were speaking to the founder. And if you're in the mood for dinner with a difference, what about dinner and a show? Papillon is a night out you will never forget. From food to entertainment, we were speaking to the people behind it. And if you like your pastries, you'll love what's on the menu at the Lighthouse. We were in conversation with the executive chef about his decision to turn his back on electrical engineering and get into the kitchen instead. We're all busy, but busy parents often have to, well, make some choices when it comes to feeding their kids. Why, though? We were speaking to two busy mums who have turned their interests into a cookbook. And we were asking about some popular recipes and some hacks as well. We had the founder of Cassette and Net talking sustainability in the F&B industry and celebrating strawberries, some fantastic British fruit now on the shelves at Spinney's. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. So over the course of the show today, we are meeting chefs, restaurateurs, um, some recipe creators as well, and talking about what the plans are for the weekend, where to go, what to eat where to spend our hard-earned dirhams and our precious time. So I always love your recommendations. Let me know what you're up to. 4001. You can use your ARN Play app as well, of course. I haven't got massive foodie plans this weekend, to be honest. We, um, I promised the girls a movie night tonight, so I made the mistake of mentioning takeout pizza. So I think we're going to be calling Pitfire at about half past five today. And that's kind of it. So if you've been somewhere great that you think we should be checking out, maybe there's been a dish that you can't stop thinking about, I would love to hear it. And hopefully we'll be offering up some ideas too, including Wabi Sabi. This is Saudi Arabia's first vegan dining concept. And it's the brainchild of Saudi entrepreneur Abir Al-Maklab. And you can now enjoy, enjoy a bit of Wabi Sabi here in Dubai. It's recently opened and Abir joining us on the line now. Congratulations on opening in Dubai. How does it feel? Thank you. Thank you very much. It feels really good. It's, uh, it's been a nice adventure there. Now, I've got to confess, I can't stop saying wabi-sabi. It's the most fun <laughs> phrase to say. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, what, do, what does it mean? So it's basically, it's a philosophy. It's a Chinese, uh, a Chinese philosophy that means finding the beauty in the imperfection. Oh, I love that. Finding the beauty yeah. in imperfection. And also a lot of fun yeah. to say. Um, now, tell us a little bit about the beginnings, the roots, if you will, of Wabi Sabi. Are you a vegan yourself? Yes, I am. So why go from enjoying vegan food to wanting to serve it? What was the turning point for you? So I've always loved to learn and experience and share that knowledge with everyone. So it was a place to just offer people something different, something new, and to just explore new, new food journeys. But again, it's a, I, I love food and I love learning about food, but to then start a restaurant is a bit, it's a huge leap. You are, as I said, you know, an entrepreneur by, by kind of nature and by trade. What is it like to start a restaurant concept? What are some of the things that happen behind the scenes before you open the door to the public from thinking about branding, obviously menu creation, and especially in Saudi, as I said, this is the first vegan dining concept. What work was happening? What research before you, before you started? There was a lot of research. It started off with the name, with the concept actually opening a vegan. Is it, is it something that, you know, Saudi are ready for? Um, will people come and join uh, and enjoy it? 
of course, there was a lot of things behind the scene. People see the beautiful, you know, look and feel at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we had to, um, we, we had to ex- explore, and it was an added value later on, is the supply chain and the supply challenges of finding gluten-free flour um, because it would be shortage. And that's where we actually started creating all of Wabi Sabi's food in-house. And uh, the ingredients are all in-house. So from the wabi-sabi gluten-free flour to the cheese, the patties, the sauces from ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise is all done in-house. So what did you start with making? Was there a kind of a, an, a dish or something that kind of started it all for you? Yes. Yeah, so it took me a good, it took me almost a month to create this flour and then create the the signature dish at Wabi Sabi, which is the chocolate cake that's called Not For Sharing. <laughs> and that was our first one. And after that recipe, I actually slept 16 hours <laughs> from how exhausting it was. So I need was, to try this. Okay, get, tell us a little bit about, and also love the name, Not For Sharing. What makes it special? Can you make us hungry this afternoon at beer? So the idea is Wabi Sabi, uh, we wanted to make food that is common and familiar and turn it into vegan. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to keep the feel, the touch, the flavor. Um, so we really, um, this, this flour, it was a gluten-free flour. We, we had one supplier that, you know, was perfectly fit with the ingredients, but then we had a shortage of it. And that's when we decided to create the flour. And that concept alone took forever, finding the right mix, choosing, finding the grinder and mixing. It was a full, um, it was like, science actually Mm -hmm. not really recipe creating Mm -hmm. and finding the perfect match and till today we have people kids adults everyone tasting it and enjoying it and not even knowing that it doesn't have eggs or refined sugar and that's the whole idea because we believe food should be nourishing and not limiting you're listening to farmer's kitchen on dubai i 103.8 with spinnies eat well live well and we're offering up some ideas of where to go as well. Joining us on the line now is Abir Al-Mutlaq. She is a Saudi entrepreneur and behind Saudi Arabia's first vegan dining concept, Wabi Sabi. It's now open here in Dubai. So, Abir, you had a pop-up um, in Alcoz last year. What was that like and what was the response like at, at that time? It was a really good uh, good experience for us. It, it's a beautiful location, we, and it's still actually open. So for whoever wants to go and experience a beautiful gem, a hidden gem, uh, that offers a beautiful experience because of the greenery, the pond. And by the way, all the base skyline is in front of you, and it looks like a piece of art. So it's a beautiful location, and people really were responsive. They were enjoying it. We had a couple of workshops of, of um, painting and yoga and then they would come and have a nice talk and discussion after it and a nice meal and enjoy uh, Wabi Sabi after it. So it's a beautiful location overall and people really responded well. So tell us a little bit about the menu. We've already talked about the not for sharing chocolate cake which is something of a signature but um, what are some of the your kind of stars of the show where you feel like if you have if you've been to Wabi Sabi and you haven't had these dishes you haven't really had the experience. So we, but we, you know, with the, with the type of signature dishes we have, we have two. So food, uh, first comes like the common food made vegan, like a scallop. You would never believe that it's a vegan scallop. What? So what is it? 
It's uh, actually um, soy beans, soy meat, so it's really nice and flavored, and you make sure to play with the texture, the flavor, and uh, it's, it's a really good one. It's, it's one of my favorites, to be honest, and uh, so if you crave a scallop, come and visit and taste the scallop and let me know what you think. And we also have the scrambled eggs, which is funny, we removed it from the menu for a while, and then we had non-vegans come there, like, please put it back to your menu. I'm like... That's so interesting. Okay, we put it back. We put it back into the menu. So it's made out of tofu as well. And we add actually turmeric to get the color and the flavor and the nutrition benefits out of it. Um, so these are two of the ones that, you know, common food made familiar and made vegan. And then we have common food, uh, but we did like the name familiar with a sentimental memory, mm-hmm. like the Lady in the Tramp, which is a tomato uh, spaghetti. We offer gluten-free and non-gluten um, options. And we also have the Mama Bee Cake. That is an orange cake that uh, a lot of people love. And I never used to know people ate orange cakes, to be honest. And my partner and my, and my, and my paternal mother really loves it. So that's what we basically Abir, you've travelled a lot as well. What influence have those those travels and those foodie memories had on on the menu and and your philosophy on food, I suppose? Um, so the, the the menu we we gathered all of our favorite foods from all over the world, um, and we created something that we played with the recipes. It's more about playing with the recipes than anything else. Um, we bring a scientific approach in Wabi Sabi with pairing the ingredients. Um, to make sure that each ingredient gives, gives the body exactly what it needs from the food groups while ensuring it's delicious and non-restrictive. You've trained in nutrition, so can you talk us through some yeah. of the kind of, I guess the, you know, the hero ingredients then that you feel like are really important, obviously to incorporate in the menu, but perhaps for all of us listening today, if we're not able to come to Wabi Sabi, that you think, you know, should be in our shopping basket, should be incorporated into supplementation or the food we eat. So we're a big fan of seeds because we think it adds a lot of nutrients. It has a lot of omegas, especially as someone who is vegan, mm-hmm. um, even non-vegan, because whether you're vegan or not vegan, our body, you know, the food that we get today is not the same as before. So we do need to just boost and add these elements of food to nourish it or give us this extra boost. So that is one of them. I'm a big fan of turmeric. I believe in turmeric. You can add it in hidden signature dishes like, for example, the scrambled eggs. You can even put it in uh, your tea. You can even have it in your mac and cheese to give color, but also the added value of the turmeric. Um, we also have nutritional yeast. As vegan, we, we tend to be uh, deficient in B12. So that's a beautiful added addition. And it's also cheesy. So for those who don't eat dairy can enjoy that as well. That kind of umami. Um, so yeah, exactly. And um, you have tamari as well. We add a lot of that as well in our food. And then also shia, flaxseed, all these fibers because we don't get enough fiber sometimes. Mm-hmm. So these are really nice additions. You can put it in your oats, your smoothies, your cakes. Um, so that's, these are a couple of the main elements that we love to play with. But also in addition with our ingredients, we really try to make it light. So they're not too heavy on the stomach. So we, we, we assure that it's easy to digest. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming with someone that was diagnosed with IBS and my sister having, you know, um, issues uh, at a young age with her digestion, with her stomach, um, we really made sure that it's easy to digest as well. 
Okay, I wanted to ask you, I know you volunteered in a school for children of determination where autism um, was one of the main issues that the, the children were dealing with. And you looked at a combination of therapies, and I, I use therapies as kind of an umbrella term from, you know, breath work and movement, but also food and the impact it had on their moods, their emotional state and even their hormones. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And food is medicine, I suppose, in some situations. It is, it is. Um, it was still my beginning. I was still at university when I started and I realized, and that was when the trend of the whole gluten free started for autistic kids, more than diet. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting to see how each kid reacted differently, whether it's to gluten or to sugar, it was, it was individual. And also, you can see their energy really impacting. So I would know if the kids didn't sleep well or ate something that didn't work well with their stomach and their digestion. I could see it from the moment they entered the room. Um, they would be agitated. They would be frustrated. Because then if, you, you know, if your stomach isn't doing well, you're, you're, you know, you're not going to the restroom. And then your sleep lacks. And then your mood is not that great. Mm-hmm. So it was quite interesting to see it with the kids. And that's when I started really thinking of food as medicine and science behind that 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 mind gut connection um seems to be talked about more and more and more but into to do with you know happiness but it's really interesting you're linking the sleep there because you don't think about that but you're right if you're not digesting food your body's working hard overnight you're not able to get the rest you need of course you're going to be you know heightened emotions and a bit irritable the next day um Okay, um, it's the last chance to talk about the menu at Wabi Sabi because a lot of people are planning their weekends in the next couple of days. Do you have a favourite dish or is that too difficult a question? Um, no, I think it's a fine, it's, it's an okay. I, I love the Thai salad that we have. Um, I actually really love the truffle cheese sandwich as well if you're in the, craving a sandwich. Um, for my main dish, dish, I would love the scallop, the beef tenderloin with pesto sauce. Um, you can accommodate that with, you can have with a, a bit of pesto pasta or a baked potato. I'm more of a baked potato girl, so that's what I would pair it with. And I really love cookies, so I would go with the cookies. The not for sharing is a big hit, but I'm a cookie girl, so I would say go for the cookies. And, and lastly, Abir, what's next? It sounds like this is, you know, just the, the beginning of a perhaps worldwide domination. What does success look like uh, after starting Saudi's first vegan eatery? So we've now entered uh, Dubai and the Dubai market. And we're also opening our doors uh, uh, in August in Sharjah and in Madrid, which we're really excited about. Well, huge congratulations on the success so far. And uh, to vegans and indeed non-vegans, go forth, explore and yeah, do not share that cake. I really appreciate your time. And if you want details, (laughs) Wabi Sabi, they are, of course, on Instagram with photos to make your mouth water. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. How do you feel about dinner and a show? If you're looking for a dining experience with a difference, there is the brand new Papillon at the Western Dubai. They've created a multi-sensory dining affair, so a cabaret performance that will definitely add some passion to your meal. So dined and entertained, and joining us now is Chef Oscar Perez and Leila Kadan, who is the show's curator, the co-founder of Papillon. Um, wonderful to have you with us. And Leila, I just want to say, first of all, congratulations. You're normally on the stage, but two weeks ago, you had a new addition, a little baby. So how how lovely to hear. How's it all going? Thank you so much. This is actually um, 
an exclusive uh, announcement because I haven't made an announcement anywhere else. So. Thanks, Poonam. I was like, Poonam, can I mention how the baby? She was like, yeah, well, fine. It's great, actually. Um, it we've, told the whole, the we've told the whole of the UAE now, Leila. Oh. Yeah, thank you. Well, huge, it's actually, it was congrats. it wasn't expected, so it was early and we were just trying to adjust to the first couple of weeks. Oh, I hope you're you doing so well. Much. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> thank well, you. Thank and, you. And thank you for making the time to be with us today. Um, really lovely to hear about new places to go. And as I said, dinner with a bit of a difference. So your background is very much that performance factor. Can you explain a little bit about the show A Papillon for anyone that perhaps has never had that kind of, you know, dinner dinner and show experience before there are a lot of great dinner and show experiences in dubai but we like to um differentiate ourselves by saying that you know it's an ode to old cabaret with a modern twist so it is um the the whole space is created for a theatrical dinner and show experience it's not an afterthought where there's like a dining or a mm. restaurant um, set up with just, you know, performances that come in. So um, the entertainers are all uh, of very high caliber performers from around the world. Um, there's a storyline. The show is very captivating. So it is very um, theatrical too. It's, um, you know, there's kind of a, a, a comical and then a passionate act and so it's, um, as I said, it's an ode to old cabaret with a modern right. twist. And um, there are different uh, uh, mediums of dance that are presented throughout the night. Poonam, you had a night out. You had a producer <laughs> night out at Papillon earlier this week. Yes. You and Zena from The Agenda gone wild. We, we tend to do a producer <laughs> night out so we can compare notes about our presenters. <laughs> oh, no. I don't want to know. I don't want to. We'll ignore that part yes. and talk about the talk about the action on yeah. the stage. So, so what were your first impressions? So, Leila, when I first they first came on, it was the ladies all in their, you know, uh, fancy gear. And I was like, oh. Very provocative. Yes. And, and it kind of felt very like Parisian style, kind of the whole mm-hmm. vibe Moulin Rouge and you know I started eating my food going okay this is interesting because literally it's very intimate if you do go there anyone and the stage is the forefront you know you can't miss it you have to look at it and then the choreography was actually amazing I mean I, I love watching you know proper dancers but I have to say um when the men came on Layla I was very happy they oh, were amazing so now if you I'm ever, interested if you want to do an all men's show too just let me know <laughs> Layla, we do, you know, we do actually, not condone a magic mic DXB, okay? No, I but, but you know, the, the, it's not even that. I, mean, I think what she means to say, and she's absolutely right, is that they are actually brilliant performers. Mm-hmm. It's not what you are, are thinking, but um, they are so wonderful on the stage, the men, and they're also um, very easy on the eyes, but they're also gentlemen, which is so lovely because on and off the stage, they treat all the women with so much respect and care and, and so it's a it's really a pleasure to and have them. There was one we, dance. Yeah, we need some more. Layla, there was one dance the two guys did where it felt like they were doing Russian dancing. The leg movement with each other was incredible. It was so fast. So they're brothers and they're Argentinian and that's wow. an Argentinian tango. Wow. Um, and uh, actually Leonardo, um, the one with the blonde hair, uh, won Dancer of the Year in Argentina. Um, wow! As That's amazing. did Maya, the yeah Maya, the girl who joins them on the stage. So, these three dancers are um, Argentinian in that particular tango act, and they are 
top of their game and they've come from Argentina to be in the show. This sounds amazing. I've got a bit of the FOMO, but there's food as well. And uh, Chef is joining us, Chef Oscar Prez. Um, Can you tell us, Chef, about how do you create a balance between, obviously people are completely transfixed by what's happening on stage and you're kind of trying to get their attention with the food as well. These these elements need to marry together. Um, How do you decide what would work well with with a dinner show experience on the menu front? Well, I think uh, I think it's all about you know uh, watching the show, what uh, they have put together, and see what kind of an element we can put into the show. Uh, we are looking into finding some the right produce for the evening itself, and uh, really just composing it and have respect of the produce. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, What's on the menu? Uh, uh, the menu itself is actually, the cuisine is actually a Mediterranean cuisine with uh, French techniques. So it's all about evolving the kind of a refined cuisine that we are putting on a plate and presenting to the guests. Yeah. Poonam, what was your favourite thing you ate? Yeah, so I'm still, I told Chef this um, on the phone earlier that I still think about this. It's only been two days. But you know, usually if I have fish at home, um, I'll have like potatoes or vegetables. I had the sea yeah. bream and there was just a little yeah. bit of spinach, no sides. And I'm still thinking about that fish today. It was so good and a meal in itself. Oh, great. Where, where's your food for, uh, sourced from? Because it was so fresh. Uh, they are actually sourced from, uh, from, from Europe, from France or from Italy or from Turkey. So that's, the that's water a good sign. From, yeah. That is yeah. a good sign indeed. Um, Leila, I wanted to ask you, um, what kind of crowd does it attract? Because my initial thought is, is this like a date night where, or I don't know, maybe a girl's night out? A, a group night out. What does the demographic tend to look like when uh, when you look into the crowd? You know, it's interesting you say that. I mean, me as a, as a performer in Dubai, I really wanted to create a space where people who um, have a genuine interest in the arts could come and enjoy mm-hmm. a night out. And so that would be for anyone really, but most mostly a more kind of cultured or mature crowd. And we've had such a variety of people and I wasn't expecting it to be such a date night but it is a place where people love to come on dates and also girls nights out and also bachelor parties and also you know corporate events so we've had like an array of many different people and it's so beautiful for us to see you know such a variety of people coming through and really appreciating the experience because um, it's not just art on the stage also the the, the venue itself is mm-hmm. very beautiful and Parisian um, influenced and and the food is also we like to say it's art on a plate so it's like it's a, it's an all-encompassing experience and Leila what about kind of changing up the program because presumably you want people to come back again and again how often does the show change we opened um, at the end of November last year, and since then we've um, evolved the show um, three or four times um, up until March, and then we closed for the holy month of Ramadan, and we've opened with a new show, and we've already made some adjustments. So there are constant updates and, and sort of, you know, um, variations but to recreate a whole show because we put so much effort into the staging and the lighting and the production it's not something that because they're not go-go dancers they're properly produced um numbers um it it 
it's not something that we change every week. We like it to ride out for a couple of months and then we, we revisit it. It sounds like... It's, it sounds so much fun. It really, really does. <laughs> Poonam's been non-stop talking about we it. We have to have you. We have to, we have to host you soon. <laughs> Girls, night out. <laughs> Definitely. No. Well, well, I'll come and join you as well. Good woman. Leila, thank you so much for bringing this to Dubai, sharing your passion for the talent of dancers from all over the world and to Chef as well for um, putting, as you say, food is art um, on the table and uh, making a whole experience of that night. Thank you so, so much. And if you do want details, of Papillon you can find that there on Instagram of course um, it is Papillon DXB if you want that uh, feel free to message me I'm very happy to send you the link on 4001 You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8 With Spinneys Eat well Live well We are meeting the chef this hour and uh, special chef because we're talking about pastry in particular because who doesn't love a good pastry? And If you don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we can be friends. Um, but I think we all could do with a pastry chef in our life. And joining us now is Wada Boussad, the executive pastry chef at The Lighthouse. And these things are an absolute thing of beauty. They've recently opened up at Time Up Market, um, specifically looking at pastries and desserts. So I'm... Um, I'm curious, Chef, where did your love of pastries come from? Your Syrian, was there something that was in the family or in the community? Actually, to be honest with you, I'm uh, electric engineering, but I love, <laughs> I love to cook and then I love to, uh, <laughs> uh, to do a pastry. Especially, I, uh, it's come from my mother, you know, from my mother's side. And then when I moved to Dubai, it's a start when I moved actually from, uh, from Dubai. From Dubai. I learned from Dubai, actually. Really? And a little bit from Syria, you know. Okay, no, you can't just skip over the fact that you're an electrical engineer and now a pastry chef. What? Tell us about that decision, because that's quite, quite. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's which one uh, you like something, but you you, you cannot get like uh, uh, sometimes which one you like it. You cannot get. I don't know how to explain it, but but really, I was I studied five years engineering, and then like, uh, but I love to cook every time. You know, I don't feel like. Really, engineering is like my 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 future or something like that. Mm-hmm. So always I stay with the with the mom at home, cooking. Uh, uh, in the in the part time, I do some uh, uh, some stage or something like that. So that's why it's coming like uh, I don't know how to say, it, but it's coming like by. Kind of by accident. You know, I do. But chef, pastry is so precise. It's not like, you know, experimenting. And yes, there is some with flavors, but with pastry, it's it's a science. It's you know, it's an alchemy. It's it's the you know, a a gram of this or you know, it it, it makes all all the difference. Do you enjoy that precision? Of course, I mean, you know, the, it's a pastry very sensitive. It's not like, uh, I mean, there's a, the kitchen is separately. It's like pastry and the hot hot kitchen. So mm-hmm. it's like, especially pastry with the grams and these things, it's very, very, very difficult, I mean. But every time I did a few things or I stay in the kitchen, I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying a lot. Now, that's your, something that a lot of chefs I speak to talk about this enjoyment and you need to because you know mm. certainly when you're training the hours are are long but you know, my brother-in-law's a chef and he talks a lot about flow mm. the state of flow and he's like next thing I know four hours have gone by and he said I feel like it's been a second and I think that's just the most amazing sign that you're doing you're doing what you should be doing in life I think that's I think that's gorgeous and um, can you tell us a little bit about what makes the desserts at Lighthouse special, unique? Make us hungry, chef. 
Um, okay, I mean the, the the lighthouse passenger dessert at timeout market. Uh, it's it's the only outlet in the in the market we we uh, we have a dessert menu. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's a classic dessert and the French vinoiserie with uh, Eastern uh, and influences. I mean, like uh, always, we are using a, a good quality ingredients. Uh, for example, uh, you can find our uh, uh, reinvented the, the lighthouse on Mali. Uh, with the raisin and the malt ice cream, um, as a, like a sticky toffee pudding and a melfia with a topped whipping cream. You know, I mean, like uh, this isn't fair. This is not fair. I I, yeah, yeah, I've had, I had leftover noodles for lunch, and now you're talking about milfoy and uh, sticky yeah. toffee pudding. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8 with Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're having a sweet end to your week and in conversation now with the executive chef of The Lighthouse. Joining us live is Wada Boussad. He has got a Bachelor of Science in Electrical and Engineering, but now has a career in pastry and we're learning more about that journey, but also food as well. Um, so tell me, and I know the kitchens at The Lighthouse are very different to what our kitchens are like at home, um, chef, but what are three things that you always have in your cupboard or your fridge at home so you can whip up something delicious? Um, always, I mean, it's... <clears throat> you you should to have like uh, sugar. Yes, good chocolate. <laughs> sugar, chocolate, <laughs> exactly. Uh, sugar and chocolate and flour for sure. I mean, do you find yourself making pastry at home much, or is that very much you know just for your workplace? Uh, I'm always. I mean, like mm, yes, yeah, sometimes. I mean, I, I like I do at home when I'm at home. I I cook it, especially when. Uh, uh, I do some dessert for uh, for family, my wife and children, something oh, like that. You know? <laughs> what a lucky family! That I, I'm very jealous, very jealous indeed. Now, I yeah. need to ask you a little bit about this journey as a chef, because as you said, you raised in Syria, you had this background in electrical engineering, and then you came to Dubai. Can you tell us about mm. the training and some of the places you've worked in over the years? Because you've been, you've been at Le Serre, which you know famed for its pastries yeah. as well. Talk to us about the the journey in Dubai from arriving with no plans to work in this career to <laughs> being an executive chef. Yes. So exactly, I start uh, when I come uh, to Dubai, 2007. I start uh, in a French bakery, which one it was, uh, it's a huge bakery, mm-hmm. in Sheikh Zayed Road. And uh, uh, from that time, I moved to Lasser. We opened in Lasser with uh, with the chef Izo, uh, 2012. And then after that, we moved, we opened a few really restaurant, good restaurant to Dubai, uh, Lasser and uh, uh, Gaia, Karin, uh, and especially Lighthouse. It's a big, uh, it was a big uh, uh, sport for me, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> 2017. And we moved to Jumeirah, Dubai Holding. That's uh, all the, the place which one I work with. Chef, now, some of the places you mentioned there, under Chef Izu, Gaia, Lasser, are famed for a cheesecake that has blown my mind on numerous occasions. And Izu's, <laughs> no, true, I'm not even joking. When, yeah, yeah. when Izu was at Le Petit Maison, I had that cheesecake for my wedding cake. That's how much I loved it. Yeah. And wherever, wherever <laughs> he good. went, he'd have this cheesecake on the menu. And there'd be a different iteration. It might be plain. It might have a berry compote. It might have a, you know, passion fruit kind of gelée on, on top. Mm. 
Talk to us about cheesecake. What makes a great one? And is it possible to actually make one at home? Yes. Or do we need to come and see you? Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, cheesecake, I don't know. Everyone asks me which one of your favorite desserts. Mm. I, I say the cheesecake. Cheesecake, you can find. I mean, it's not only like, really, it's like normal cheesecake. I mean, when you eat the cheesecake, you can you can have a three things in the cheesecake. Which one? The crust and the bottom. And the, and the creamy, smoothie creamy, and the jelly in the topping, which one we grate when we open the La Petite Maison with the, and La Serre. <clears throat> it's a passion used to cheesecake, you know? Yes. So it was, I mean, like, the three things, it's it's combined together. It's a balance in your mouth when you're eating. I mean, like, you get the softness, you get the uh, the, 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 the crunchy, and then you get the, the sourness in the, uh, with, in the passion, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what's... Really, it's lovely cake, I mean. Balance of flavours. Do you have a sweet tooth yourself? Because that would be quite hard to control, <laughs> given <laughs> the amazing ingredients and pastries. Do you find yourself or- always ordering dessert when you go out for dinner? Uh, I'm, the, I'm the person who, who really loves the dessert. I mean, even I will eat uh, dessert before when I start my uh, uh, lunch or really? <laughs> dinner always. <laughs> really? That's why, I mean, yeah, really. <laughs> So. <laughs> Good. Well, you're in the you're in the right job. Now, every chef mm. that we have on the show, we ask them mm. what their last meal on earth would be. So, three courses, um, you know, breakfast, uh, breakfast, much more starter, main, and dessert. And mm. you can have any configuration. You could have, you know, you could have three desserts if you wanted. If you could have a trio of desserts. Um, mm. So, I want to know, chef, what would you have on on your for your last meal on earth? And it could be food that you've always dreamt about having. It could be something from your childhood in Syria. It could be something you've created yourself. Um, actually, the the best meal for me, which one you have, you have from your mom. You know, <laughs> that's oh, why yes. you like. Um, yeah, it was really like. Uh, we call it, I mean, I, I think you know that it's like uh, shakshuka. I love to eat the shakshuka, shakshuka with, uh, with eggs and these things. So that's the best thing for me. I mean. And your last dessert on earth, what would you choose? What, what would be the ultimate way to say goodbye to the planet? What would be the sweetest ending? Actually, I was now I'm in, the, in, the, in the lighthouse. They use a cheesecake. They use a passion cheesecake somewhere. My favourite one. Okay, sold. So for anyone that is coming to the Lighthouse, and at Time Up Market, as I said, it is all about desserts and yes. pastries. What is the one thing we need to order to get a taste of the experience? Mm, there's a lot of options, actually, in the, in the, the Time Out. But which one I recommend you? The sticky toffee pudding as well. Right. Okay. And uh, we have really so the, the, the Om Ali as well, the Lighthouse Om Ali. Chef, thank you so much. I think you've made everyone well and truly hungry between cheesecake and sticky toffee pudding. Get back yes. in the kitchen. I know Fridays are very, very busy for you, Chef, so I do appreciate thank your you. time and your enthusiasm for something I think a lot of people are very passionate about, pudding. Chef Wessie joining us there from The Lighthouse. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. It is all about food and sometimes it's about going out, but more often than not, it's about being at home, cooking for ourselves, cooking for our families. And we're all busy. My goodness, we're busy. And meeting now two busy mums who have somehow found time to write a cookbook. They are just two mums, also known as Rebecca Davis and Megan Kelly. Uh, They've got six kids between them, busy lives. And yeah, now found time to create the recipe book that's just come out. So firstly, ladies, 
Congratulations. Great to have you with us in the studio. Um, Megan, six kids between you. I've got so many questions. I want to be talking about the challenges, some things you always have in the cupboard. But Megan, who did you have in mind when you first thought of creating a cookbook? Who was that kind of ideal consumer? I think we created it really for us, for mums who are busy, who have a lot of kids, a lot of stuff going on and who want to be creative in their cooking, but maybe don't have the time to focus Mm -hmm. and to Google search and to do the research or, you know, don't want to do it. So really, we created the book that we needed ourselves. And Rebecca, do either of you have a background, a professional background, if you will, in food? No, not at all. So home cooks? Home cooks completely. And these are some recipes that have been obviously tried and tested in your own families. And how did you decide? Talk us through the sections, Megan, when it came to, um, you know, is it meals for kids? Is it meals for families? Are there lunch boxes? What we've got going on? So I think the book itself, one thing that was really important to us is that every single piece of the book was very useful. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want a book that had smoothies, that had desserts or things that you could easily Google. We wanted sort of the hardcore main menu items that are pain points for mums. Mm -hmm. So there's three sections. We have a lunchbox section, which obviously you can have sandwiches and all that kind of stuff. But this is sort of an elevated lunchbox section if you want to put something a little bit different in. Uh, And then we have a section that's just for kids. So it's sort of never fail, kid favorites, things that you can make, but always with a different spin. So you're not going to see like a regular bolognese in there. This is all sort of more creative than that. And then my favorite section is a family section. And the family section is how to take a meal and adapt it so kids will eat it, but also so that it's quite healthy for adults. Mm -hmm. So we do have obviously some pastas in there, but it's not pasta every night for everyone. It's, you know, how do you make a salad, but make it so a kid will eat it? Or how do you make kids food that an adult isn't going, oh, look, I'm eating turkey dinosaurs exactly. and feeling like an eight-year-old. <laughs> so, um, and it's also not about weaning, Rebecca. It's not, it's not catering to that kind of baby toddler, which is a very different... You, this is about family meals and I guess the importance of eating together. Yeah. Um, so what are some of your favourite recipes in it? So my favourite recipes, which are non-failed, is the pesto pasta and the bowl pasta. Like I make those at least every month. Mm. Like my all our six kids love them. And I think the pesto pasta, you look at it and you think it's so green. My kids will never eat that, but they all love it and you have to try it. So were the kids involved in the recipe testing and tasting? So all the, yeah. all the recipes have been tested by our six kids. And all of them have been passed the six kids test. Kids are brutal. Kids they do are. not hold back in their reviews and criticisms. So this is this is high praise indeed. Megan, what are some of the challenges you faced feeding your kids over the years? And you said pain points there when it came to those main meals. Is it been fussy eating or restricted eating or... I don't know. What, what's been going on in your house? I think with kids, it's always a revolving door. So you mm. do have kids sort of that like one thing one day and then the next day you turn around and you're like, why would I ever eat that? Why would you make it for me? And you think that was your favorite meal two days did ago. I, did I dream that? Yeah, like what's wrong with you? Mm. Um, so I think that's always a challenge when it comes to kids. My actual, my biggest pain point, uh, we really struggle with breakfast in my house because it's, you know, you're against the clock, you have to get to school, it's really early. So it's sort of having to find things that really work for you and work mm-hmm. in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like, for us, it's about that persistence and, and also trying to, 
it's a, it's, a, it's a really emotional topic, I think, for a lot of parents because we want our kids to be healthy and well-fed with the right stuff. But, you know, when you spend a long time cooking something and they refuse it, it feels like a very personal rejection because it's a rejection of your time and the money you've spent. And for us, we're just trying to kind of be... I guess, kind of consistent and persistent with kind of giving some healthy options. You've got a hidden veggie sauce in there, Rebecca. What are we hiding in the in the hidden veggie pasta sauce? I st- we both strongly believe that there is nothing wrong with hiding vegetables Absolutely. from your kids. Absolutely, like do- let's get it into them. <laughs> however, however it goes. So what's it, what's in there, and could it be? kind of tweak depending on what you've got in the cupboard as well. Yeah, so you can basically use anything you have in your cupboards. Like this one has sashimi, mushrooms, tomatoes, like anything you have, you can use. I I tend to like to put in it sort of what is in the cupboard that's maybe going to go off soon. Perfect. You're like, oh, I have a few peppers in. You can throw those in. And then for me, I also like to focus on maybe the veggies my kids wouldn't eat normally. Mm-hmm. So you get those in, you puree them, and then they have them and they think it's just sauce. I'm giving it right. We do a mac and cheese that I really hope my kids aren't listening. Um, <laughs> that has got cauliflower and zucchini in because it's a similar color to the kind of the the creamy sauce. And they haven't twigged yet. It's been a couple of months now. Um, what about what you always have in your cupboards? Because I'm I'm not a planner. I'm forever in spinnies buying a random selection of food and coming out and going. I'm not quite sure how that is going to make a meal. Um, but if we have some kind of pantry or fridge essentials it does make life a lot easier are there anything you always have or any kind of techniques tips that make your life easier that we could perhaps benefit from Megan so I would say the one thing is when you are cooking um, it's really helpful to batch cook and freeze sauces so you have a homemade sauce you're making a pesto sauce you're making a bolognese sauce you're making you know a cashew chicken sauce and you make extra and you put it away. So then all you have to do is either heat up the pasta, heat up the rice and make some chicken. And you have a really sort of well-balanced homemade meal. Um, and even like your husband can do it or your nanny can do it. And it's just easy to have on hand. And I think there's not a house that shouldn't have pasta. I, I am with <laughs> like, you. I actually just said I just said today I would have pasta every day if I could. I had three bowls of it on Sunday. Not, not even sorry. Um, Rebecca, what about lunch boxes? Because that's a big pain point in our household. And I feel like sometimes they can be an opportunity to maybe introduce something they wouldn't eat at home. Peer pressure is not to be underestimated when it comes to children trying new foods. And as you said, the this isn't just, you know, putting a you know, sandwich with the crust cut off. You're doing some kind of as in your words, Megan, kind of elevated lunchbox ideas. What's in there? I think, first of all, when it comes to lunchboxes, what I tend to do is, if I'm trying something new, I don't try it in the lunchbox at first. I will cook it and serve it in the weekend because I think there's nothing worse as a mom to for your kids to come home with a full mm, lunchbox. You feel, awful, you feel so awful. Yeah. Uh, so we always trial it before. One thing that I do with lunchboxes that I find really helpful is I cook like a big batch of food at the beginning of the week and then I keep it in the refrigerator and each morning I can just heat it up and put it in the food jars and it's easy for me. I know the kids will like it and everybody's happy. Because, I mean, I love a sandwich, but everyone gets sandwich fatigue. What what are some of the alternatives, Megan, that you're you're encouraging us to give a whirl to? So I would say one of the favorites that's in there is butternut squash waffles. What? Uh, yeah, they are so yummy. The kids get really excited when they're in there and they're full of squash, which isn't something that my kids would normally eat. And you can't even really tell color wise the difference. 
Um, they're really filling and they love them. And, what's love a, them. and is that a sweet or a savory? Uh, it's a, it depends on what you top it with, really. Mm. Like a lot of times I'll give the kids like syrup in the middle and then they dip it. Um, but I would say if you had it at home, you could just as well as have sort of peanut butter on it or something like that. And they're so yummy. Now, um, I've had a message here saying, is the book out? Is the book out? It's brand new. Yes. It's brand new. <laughs> um, so at the minute you can um, get it on Ask Explorer, the website. Um, and then it's going to be all over Dubai. So Kina Kanua, uh, Spinney's, of course, online. What's it, Rebecca, what was it like seeing the cover and then knowing your book's going to be on Amazon? It's been amazing. Like, this is what I love about Dubai. Like, the opportunities in this country is just endless. And mm-hmm. it's just so exciting. And I just want to say congratulations, really. It's, it's really wonderful to hear people, I guess, kind of solving a problem for parents like us. Um, having had a, had a quick look, really impressed by how accessible everything seems. I'm really sick of looking at recipes and finding a shopping list that, you know, makes my, you know, wallet wince and my head fall off. And this just seems really straightforward, really accessible and really yummy as well. So the book is out now, Just Two Mums Cookbook, and you can follow these guys, Just Two Mums, on Instagram as well for food and a whole lot more. Congratulations, Megan. Congratulations, Rebecca. Thank you. Wonderful to have you in the studio. And uh, enjoy the success. And you could have brought some food in. (laughs) Next time. (laughs) Could have made me me dinner. I could have passed off my own children this afternoon. (laughs) Absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. So we love hearing where you're going and maybe offering up some inspiration too. Uh, joining us now talking about the restaurant business is owner and founder of Cassette and manager of Net. Heda Madani is with us. And uh, Heda, just a pleasure to have you with us. How are you, sir? The pleasure is all mine. How are you, Helen? I am well. I was I was in Net the other day. In fact, I'm there almost every single week. <laughs> because oh, la, la. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm trying, trying to get into paddle tennis. And as you know, Net is there at Matcha. Um, so it's uh, it's become our little post paddle ritual to sit and and cool off and have some food. Um, but we first met at Cassette. Is it, is it on purpose that your place is rhyme? Um, it is, in a, in, a, in a way, yes. I'm so sorry about that. Is it that obvious? No, I love it. <laughs> um, we're talking about sustainability, and this is an issue that pushes a lot of our kind of hot buttons. It's political, it's a, you know, an economic concern, social conversation, and the food, obviously, is a major player in this. Um, and something that a lot of restaurants, if they're not talking about now, then my goodness, they, they need to be in, in the future. Um, can I ask you what's been happening perhaps behind the scenes at your two restaurants that perhaps we as diners might not even be aware of um, when you're looking to change and, and you know maybe move forward more sustainably? Well, uh, to be honest, sustainability is, is very important now in uh, the dining industry, uh, food and beverage. Um, it's basically for you to be competitive in the future. Um, you have to be um, somewhat to have a, a strategy because it's, uh, it's, it's rather crucial, especially with, uh, as you said, the political issues and economic concerns of the globe right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very, very simple. It's very easy to do. Every little helps and it goes a long way. Um, there's so many things that you can do in the industry to be sustainable. Um, for example, both cassette and net. Um, I um, give you an example. Um, one uh, straws, for example, in all our drinks are non-plastic. Um, 
been, um, you know, a partner up with local uh, farmers, um, organic produce, um, our takeaway uh, materials, um, they're biodegradable. Um, the glass that we use is all recycled glass. Um, just little things will really go a long, long way. If everyone does it, um, we'll have a, a much better planet, for um, sure. Heda, what about food waste? Because this is something that, you know, has has been an ongoing issue and we did see a bit of a, a bit of reprieve from this during covid when buffets were were off the menu so to speak but i still see a lot of people you know over ordering i'm not afraid of a of a doggy bag and a takeout container but i think some people do have a bit of snobby around it take it home why not you've paid for it um but what about food that does come back in the kitchen what what then happens to it because this it's effectively what's wasted food but it's also wasted money Absolutely. Um, people over-ordering, that's something you really can't uh, control. Lucky for me, and uh, honestly speaking, 90% or maybe more, I would say, of the dishes come back absolutely wiped clean, uh, which is a great, great, great compliment to any, any restaurant, uh, to be honest. Um, but not just the actual consumer. It's, uh, by, it's the actual kitchen. Uh, the kitchen management and a great uh, head chef, mm-hmm. an executive chef, can really, really help by having almost, believe it or not, almost zero wastage. Um, by being clever in, in terms of peels, um, um, reusable uh, items into soups and so forth, can really eliminate wastage by a huge, huge margin. Uh, the reason why I know this is because I actually did do a little um, survey myself, an investigation into Cassette, um, the first restaurant. And I found out, believe it or not, that I've got a 2.1% wastage, which is not bad. And we're working on make, reducing that to almost less than one. Wow. wow. Does it, as you say, it does take a chef, head chef, exec chef, but also a manager, a, you know, restaurateur such as yourself, to have this front and centre, you know, to be thinking about this as a, as a priority, to save money, you know, ultimately thinking about the bottom line, but with the planet in mind as well. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. Talking restaurant business, sustainability and what's on the menu at Cassette in the courtyard. And uh, Net, the eatery at Paddle Club Matcha with Heda Madani. Um, a bit of an industry insider and uh, great to have you with us, Heda. Now, let's talk Net. Because, as I said, I'm there on a weekly basis. <laughs> sometimes just for just for a drink, sometimes for dinner. It is, as I said, attached to Matcha, which is a paddle tennis club. Now, I've got to be honest, the people at Matcha are... The beautiful people. We are talking the lycra, the like everyone is gorgeous. And do they actually eat? Please say yes. <laughs> they do. I mean, everyone is beautiful and everyone eats at the end of the day. Good. Because <laughs> I ordered, I had your, um, your like fried chicken burger and some fries of the day. And I, was, I would like looked around and I was like, I think I'm the only person eating fries. <laughs> oh, no, I was no, wearing I'm leggings sure, no, no. for different reasons. I was looking for stretchy clothes, not, not workout clothes that day. Um, so what, how do you describe the menu there at NET? Um, the menu is based, uh, basically it's a French dining experience with uh, the playful flavours of Japan. Um, the combination, the fusion together uh, is... Um, it's the two strong cultures of culinary cultures, both Japan and France. Uh, they share very high values in cooking, mm-hmm. uh, hygiene, in cleanliness, and sharp, clean, fresh produce. 
Um, so the combination is, is actually really, really nice. It's a great fusion. Uh, it allows the customers to sort of um, explore a variety of contrast flavors, textures uh, for a fresh palate. And especially something very fresh for the Dubai dining experience. And what are, come on, make us hungry. What's on the menu? What are some of your personal favorites? Um, one of, cool. Um, depends really. Bre- breakfast, uh, I would definitely recommend uh, the miso benedict. Um, I, I, I love that dish. Um, you, it's uh, a, 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 a miso brown butter hollandaise on mm. poached eggs. Uh, on sourdough bread uh, with pickled shallots. Uh, it's um, really a beautiful dish. Um, the other one, obviously, a breakfast dish, which is very, very popular, is uh, the Japanese-inspired avocado toast. What um, makes it Japanese-inspired? Do you eat it with chopsticks? Um, well, the tobacco. They, they use the tobacco um, you've got uh, in there, which uh, it gives it that Japanese flavors uh, within so um, it's 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 a, like I said, it's a really nice fusion, um, a, a quite quite a, a fresh take on it on on the actual avocado toast. As you know, avocado toast is very popular. In Dubai. Now I've got a confession: I actually don't like avocado that much. I'll have it in guacamole, and it's it's basically a miracle that I'm allowed to exist in 2022 and not like <laughs> avocado. But I'm willing to I'm willing to let you see if you can convert me next time I'm in. Um, oh, I will definitely try. <laughs> but I came in for dinner a couple of weeks ago and absolutely loved it. As you said, kind of really fresh Asian flavors. I had some lovely grilled salmon. We had some chicken. Uh, it was it was really lovely, and I think. That's, in honesty, a bit of a tricky one because if you're going for dinner, but you are ultimately attached to a sports club, you know, you don't want people to be coming off the court and sitting down and having something that's going to kind of undo all of their good work or, or let, you know, kind of waddle out rather than go out with a spring in their step. So how mindful of, are you of that, that you, you know, you're in this environment? Well, I mean, it actually goes very well together. Um, just, I mean, it's inspired by... Uh, net itself the, the word net is when people go play paddle as you know they they meet at the net halfway through mm-hmm. um same same thing with the cafe uh, you at net you'll meet at net um, to enjoy uh nourishing beverage food etc um that's where it came from and the combination is, is is great because you've got all these lovely people who are doing lovely sports. I mean, as you know, paddle tennis is a, is a very addictive sport now. It's very trendy. Every week, Hayden, um, every week I'm, I'm playing. Like, who am I? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, are you I'm, playing I'm yourself? Are you? I'm the same. Yeah, I'm actually more than every week, really. And um, it's taken over my life. It's, it's so addictive. It's so uh, sociable. It's uh, lovely to get into. Um, beautiful, very fun sport to, it's to a be lo- in. It's a lot of fun. For all ages, really, for everyone. But, I mean, there are some people and, there at Matcha, and I'm like, you are amazing. People have got really good at it really fast, and I'm I'm fairly, I'm very average at it. Yeah, I mean, they're holding tournaments, competitions now, and uh, people are all involved. It's uh, great. It's a nice uh, family environment as well. Now, it is growing at an absolute pace, and I've heard whispers that there are going to be an, perhaps another Matcha location. What about you? What's next for you? Are you uh, looking to open another restaurant that rhymes with net and cassette? <laughs> well, uh, you know what? There's uh, great things to come. Uh, so stay, stay oh, you're tuned. You're so mysterious. Space. I think that's, that's, that's <laughs> well, a yes. <laughs> this is this is just open now. So uh, that, that, this is the new baby at the moment, um, and it's off and it's on its way. 
and it's uh, a lovely uh, feedback we've had so far. It's very, very positive. Um, the guys at Matcha are also just lovely and uh, yeah, inspiring as well. And, uh, you know, it, the, the, the word Matcha actually came, the, the guys came up uh, to us in cassette and said, we love your Matcha drink. No way. And, we, and that, that's, how, that's how it all became. They love the matcha, and they, they said oh, it goes really well with that we're going to create uh, this uh, lovely green oasis that looks like something out of Bali and, or California. And um, Net is situated right in the middle, which uh, is just perfect. Uh, it's, uh, it's a no-brainer, really. Oh, so, and there, is some, there are some matcha elements in the menu as well. Can I just say, is, your baristas do incredible coffee art. There was like a unicorn knocking around the other day on the top of someone's cappuccino. They're doing... They do love their work, yes. They're, they're yes, really, they really talented. Um, let's go to Cassette briefly. Um, and this is one of the busiest spots for breakfast. When we went to the courtyard a few weeks ago for the kids' improv, there was not a seat in the house for people there. People are taking their, you know, having family breakfast, what looked like dates, taking a dog. Um, looks like you're going great guns, which is lovely to see. It, re- it really, really is, and, and so well deserved. The teams there is fantastic. Um, what's some of the hot dishes at Cassette right now? What should we be ordering this weekend, Heide? Um The hot dishes would be definitely um, one of the popular dishes is the... Um, French beef dip sandwich. It's a huge, huge, huge uh, favorite amongst uh, many. And uh, they come, I, I have people who come from Abu Dhabi, from Sharjah, specifically come to have that beef, French beef dip sandwich. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, break it down for us. I, 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 I want tummies rumbling across the I'm, UAE. Talk well, us through the sandwich. Very, it's very, very simple. It's, uh, it's a baguette. Um, with a marinated, we, we marinate and cook um, a brisket beef for eight hours, and it's placed in the baguette over cheddar cheese, and you get a beef jus that goes along with it, and a dipping of a jalapeno and crushed onion. And basically, you take the baguette, you dunk it into the beef jus, and eat it the way it is. Oh. It comes with a portion of uh, fries and a side salad. And it really is, it, it's something, if, you know, you're craving something to indulge in. And that's exactly what it is. Oh, and it's, it's one of the most popular dishes. Um, you've got people coming out. Again, the, the avo smash is very popular. I know you don't like the avo, but it's um, that and the vegan skillet. Uh, it's, it's all, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful dish. Um, and the nice thing about it is the menu is designed in a way where you can adapt and add or subtract certain items from the menu to enhance it the way you like. You can add, for example, with a vegan skillet being a vegan dish, you can add the poached egg Mm -hmm. or you can add um, diced um, beef bacon to it. So according to your flavors, you can actually create your, your own dish as well. Heide, before I let you get back to your busy day, and I know Fridays in the restaurant business are particularly frantic, so I really do appreciate your time. We're trying to settle a debate this afternoon. So um, I want to know, if you drop an ice cube on the floor at, at home in your kitchen, do you kick it under the fridge or do you pick it up? <laughs> uh, no, I'll, uh, well, it depends if someone's watching or not. Exactly. Okay, no <laughs> one's watching. You're your true, authentic self. <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I will pick it up and I will put it in the sink. <laughs> you're, a, you're a 
a better, more grown-up person than me. And lastly, <laughs> you can't win the prize today for, for getting involved in our vote. You cannot win Damn 500 it. dirhams. However, if I was to give you a voucher for 500 dirhams to spend in spinnies, what would you be putting in your trolley? Oh, um, I love my fruit and veg, to be very honest with you. And I love my berries. Um, so you're, you're talking strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, um, cherries, cranberries. Cherries, cherries. Yes. Cher- oh, actually, I will spend it on cherries because they're the most expensive. I mean, they're like gold in Dubai. That's what I always say as well. I would just buy cherries. It's like gold. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I go back home, um, the first thing I buy is cherries because they're so cheap over there. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> hey, but thank you so much for being with us. Really interesting to hear what's been happening on the sustainability front. You've made us very hungry talking about that dip sandwich. Wishing you a wonderful weekend. All the best to the team. And um, I, I am open to being converted on the oven, the avocado. And I feel like if anyone can do it, it's you and your chef. So challenge extended, OK? I'll do my best. Thank you, sir. Have a great one. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. It is Friday. We are talking food. I'm Helen Farmer and joining us now from Spinney's is the digital editor, Davina Feature. She is on hand as we talk fruit, strawberries in particular. Davina, great to have you with us. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I am good. I feel like this week's gone by in a flash, though, which I'm, it has. I'm not complaining about. I'm, I'm, I'm not angry about it at all. I, <laughs> I need you to help us settle something. So, okay. as you know, every week we have a 500 dirham voucher to spend in spinnies up for grabs. You can't win it. I can't win it, unfortunately. No. But I'm curious because your your office is in, you know, the Maidan Spinneys building. So you're in store all the time. But if I was to give you 500 dirhams to spend in the store, you know, when you finish work this evening, what would you be putting in your basket? Um, I think I would head over to the baking section. Um, I'm in the mood for some baking and there's some pretty good um, stuff there that I can use. So that would be my pick. Okay. Now, in order to enter this competition, we're trying to get a bit of an answer um, on just how mature our listeners are. So, Davina, picture this. It's a hot day. You're making a cold drink. You've got a, a tray of ice cubes and you tip them out into the glass. One falls on the floor. What do you do with that ice cube? Do you pick it up or do you kick it under the fridge? Be honest. Um, I would pick it up, but then not use it. <laughs> I would pick it up and put it in the dog's bowl. <laughs> okay, so, we're, so I think we're, we're pretty grown up. Okay, good to know. But if you want to win that 500 dirham voucher, you need to message us and say pick it or kick it and pop your name on it as well. Um, what does the weekend look like for you on the food front? What are you up to? Um, I'm actually baking. That's why I okay, said. Okay, what are you making? Uh, I am actually making a recipe that we featured in our magazine a couple of issues ago. It's a lotus biscoff brownie. Ooh, um, so awesome. I am going to be baking that, and it's going to be great. <laughs> oh my goodness! Please report back um, with, some, I will with do. some strawberries on the side. Do you think potentially? Um, not with this one, but there are definitely some other options for strawberries and cakes. Now, I have to say, I was in Spinney's this morning, actually. And as I, as I walked in, it was the smell of summer. Uh, strawberries yeah. have very much landed. Um, and it's, uh, it's from my part of the world. Uh, we've got some British straws that we're going to be talking about this afternoon. Can you tell us a little bit about um, where they're coming from? And I guess, and, and not to sound like a complete, you know, well, moron on the fruit front. Are there different <laughs> tastes depending on where they're from? What do we know, Davina? 
Yes, definitely. So um, we actually have a variety of strawberries um, in store. We have early season, mid-season, and strawberries that have been hitting the shelves this week as well. Um, so one of the strawberries that we've had on our shelves from May, actually, um, were from Hall Hunter, um, which is in Surrey in the UK. And they really, really have a great flavor. And these, you can eat them just as is. If you want, you can pair them with uh, clotted creams and scones. You can have them in a trifle. Mm. Um, and we were actually super lucky. We visited um, the Hall Hunter, the farms, about two months ago, along with some of the other farms uh, that we get our strawberries from. Um, and it was just perfect weather for the team that was there. Um, they were able to see how this fruit is grown how is it grown? And, what can oh, you can you paint a bit of a picture? Are there any techniques that we um, that we might not be aware of? Yeah, actually, the one at Hall Hunter is actually quite fascinating. Um, so over there, they have these pipes um, with warm water. These run underneath um, the fruit and they almost act like a radiator. So they ripen the berries slowly from from, uh, underneath, and that's what gives us the flavor that you taste with um, these British strawberries and the early harvest, which is why we're able to get it in spinnies at the time that we do. Um, So we get the um, Mauling Centenary variety. Sorry, what's the variety? Mauling Centenary? It's called the Mauling Centenary, yes. (laughs) And and this, I love the idea of them being kind of ripened by underfloor heating. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So nice early season, as you say, they've been in for a little while. Um, Yes. What's coming next? What's that kind of mid-season? Also, Wimbledon's coming up in a few weeks as well. So it's very much, you know, on brand. It's on brand, on topic, yeah. Um, We actually, uh, the mid-season strawberries uh, were Annabelle's. So Annabelle's deliciously British strawberries. Um, You might have seen them in store. They look absolutely beautiful in their blue blue boxes. They look great as gifts as well. Um, So not just for yourself. You can spread the joy. Um, Both in 500 grams and 1 kg boxes so you have options. So these are quite large, very juicy uh, and they do have a complex sweet flavor. Um, And I will say that we've seen um, that they're actually one of our best sellers uh, in the strawberry variety at the moment. So we definitely recommend them. I love the idea of going to someone's house instead of taking (laughs) yeah, and just being there with like a beautiful you know plump juicy tray of strawberries i think that sounds gorgeous so that's annabelle's um this is this is such an english name annabelle's deliciously british strawberries yes i can just picture <laughs> annabelle <laughs> yes uh, no she um her uh, farm is in yorkshire um so that our team was also able to go there to, to check it out um so that's a completely different um you know strawberry taste profile that you'll get in the stores uh, with with her strawberries. Um, But we do have another one that's um, just hit shelves as well. Um, So this one is the Driscoll's Zara range. Um, And you were asking about taste. This is actually probably the sweetest of all three that we have. Um, And they are slightly smaller in comparison and they are naturally heart-shaped and are quite a premium variety. Um, And in case you're wondering about the taste, it's also won international awards. So, you know, it's really Really, really delicious. Um, I will say, Ankit, as you know, our social media manager, he can't stop eating these. Um, it's hard to get him to stop, so it's really, really good. <laughs> there are worst vices to have, I have to say. <laughs> so yes, if, you, exactly. if you're trying to find Ankit, just look for the, the little trail of strawberry stalks around yes. the office. Um, yes. <laughs> so, in terms of ideas and, and ways to eat, what are some of your ways of incorporating strawberries into your diet or even your baking that you're doing? 
Yeah, um, there's a few different ways. I think one that reminds me of childhood would be just your basic strawberries and cream. You know, you can't go wrong with that. Um, my mother used to make them when I was a child, um, uh, like the dish. So it's something I quite enjoy as well. Um, another thing that you can do that's related to baking, actually, is a very simple strawberry sheet cake. Um, all you need is basic ingredients for, you know, a cake base, and you need to have sliced strawberries arranged on top. I pop it in the oven, and you're pretty much done. It's, it's easy. It looks pretty if you decorate it right, and it's delicious. Um, what else? Oh, I think that you can also do really, really nice strawberry and camembert cheese toasties if you're in the mood for something a little more indulgent. Um, that idea, putting strawberries yeah. on a cheese board. Yeah, exactly. Strawberries on a cheese board as well. Um, it works so well, especially the Driscoll Zara range. Those are really good for a summer cheese board um, for your, for your, you know, fruit in your cheese diet. <laughs> this just makes me think of my childhood as well. What kind of my fondest memories? In, you know, in my childhood home, which we moved out of when I was about 10, was coming home from school and my mum would be sunbathing in the garden with the radio on and just hear the thwack of tennis balls um, as she listened to Wimbledon and strawberries from the pick your own farm around uh, just around the corner. And it's just mm-hmm. it, feel, it just feels like summer holidays. I'm so glad we're getting a taste of that here in Dubai. So some great varieties, some great ideas as well online on what to do with them. And I think uh, yeah. I think I'm going to be swinging by on the way home to get uh, to get some to see me through. Thank you, Davina, so much. Happy baking no this weekend. And uh, you. wishing you and the team at Spinney's all the very best. Have a good one. Oh, all right, you too. Thanks. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.